sons unleashed. G'day everyone, my name's Robbie Turner, welcome to another episode of Axons Unleashed. I got my main man here next to me, Lukey Millwood. Mate, how are you? Hey, hey, it's great to be back as always, RT. Now, we've had some bloody cracking guests on this podcast and I don't want to devalue anyone else that's been here, but no one else has sat across the other side here which has got nearly four years service to Axon under their belt. Yeah, mate, this guy's like the quiet Clydesdale of the office, mate. He just gets <laughs> shit done. I can't wait for this. He's the rock of Axon. He's been around for a long, long time. He's uh, someone I go to for great sage advice. You've always got my back, as I have yours. We've known each other for a long time. Yep. Damien, Damo Gregson, welcome to Axon's Unleashed, mate. Yeah. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this. I've heard all the other ones, so it's time to go. Yeah, it is, it is go time. Yeah. It is go time. Mate, I'm really looking forward for you sharing your, sharing your story about where it is you grew up, why did you join the military, you know, you and your brother and other members of your family have had a great sort of military history, yep. um, how you how you separated, and I, I know what you're doing now. <laughs> <laughs> As you said, I've been here for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, be, it'll be a really good um, understanding about how you're initially found transition, because I know you didn't come straight to Axon, of course, so you're one of the, the rare birds that don't come directly from the military, you've got a bit more context and experience there and I'm really looking forward to you sharing that with everyone and then we can delve down a little bit into what you do now and how much value you provide people. Cool. Looking forward to it? Yeah, let's go. Right, let's <laughs> Mate, who are you? Where Where did you grow up? So I grew up in uh, Western Sydney, a town called Quakers Hills. I spent my whole life there. Uh, didn't leave there until I joined the army. Actually, you just reminded me on something. When you first met my wife, the better part of four years ago, she goes, where'd you grow up? You go, oh, Western Sydney. Oh, where's that? Quakers Hill. Oh, shit, I'm from King Langley. Yep, and, then, and then and then, she went to school. Yeah, with my ex-wife. Yeah, there you go. Excellent. And then we stopped talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it's funny because it was only like five minutes down the road that we grew up from each other, never ran into each other, but had a few mutual friends along the way as well. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Um, I went to the RSL there at Quakers Hill once. On the mo- That was my first That'd be the pub. Anzac Day, the, Qu- the Quakers Hill Inn. Quakers Inn, yeah. Um, I was like, oh, it's Anzac Day. I put, better put my bloody suit and medals on. And Tam's brother's like, do not wear a suit to the Quakers Hill Inn. <laughs> no. You'll get fucking filled in before you <laughs> take two steps. Get into your shorts, put your shirt on. <laughs> yeah. But, mate, what was, what was your childhood like? So, yeah, growing up there, had a very big family. Um, so there's, on my mum's side, they're all in the same sort of area as well. Uh, had 18 cousins. So Oof, our weekends shit. were spent, you know, going to someone's house, having a barbie, playing cricket out the front, playing soccer out the front. Uh, yeah, played soccer for Quakers Hill, same as my uncles. Like, had a very long family history in the club as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was playing sport as much as I could. So yeah, because you're not the normal army guy who's played... Aussie rules or rugby or, or whatever else. You're a, you're a soccer and baseball sort of guy. They're, yes. they're your two sport, sports. Yeah, so soccer since I was four. So, you know, every Saturday of a winter heading down the park and then, you know, picked up baseball along the way as well as a teenager. So yeah. throw a few seasons of cricket in there as well, a <laughs> couple of Aussie rules seasons. Mate, did you have time for school or were you just kicking a ball and throwing shit? Well, Started off, I really liked school. <laughs> then as I got a bit older, I'm like, let's just do sport as much as we can, including yep. all your subjects at school, all rotated around sport. Yeah, yeah goals. Because, mate, you're a bloody burly bloke. Like, most people, like, um, we go to some client meetups, they're like, oh, shit, how you going, Damon? And I'm like, you know, you're <laughs> looking up at the ceiling. So were you always one of the taller taller blokes in your class? Not really. I had three really close mates 
that were all taller than me. So I'm six foot four, mm. and they were six 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 seven. So I've been at school like Big used boys. to looking up at me mates. Right, leave school. I'm like, I'm where looking, are they all? Looking down on everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I am tall. <laughs> you are tall. <laughs> so, yeah, so what you so so talk, talk to us about your education, like your younger education and stuff, mate. Like, did you find you know school and stuff quite easy? Like noting that you've said you've focused on sport and stuff, like with the academia side of the house. How, how did you find that? Yeah, so probably split into two kind of careers of school. Yeah. Uh, primary school, did really well, very academic, picked up things really well. Got to high school, found out about sport, like I can do PE and I can do, you know, another subject for sport. And girls, no doubt. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but that just became my focus, was just yeah, playing okay. sport. If I could get out of any lessons to play sport, I'd do that. So I'd be playing, throw volleyball in the mix as well. Yep. Yeah. Whatever I could play for, for the school, I'd be out of school, out of lessons, playing sport, and that was reflected in my year 12 grade as well. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, did, you did year 12. You know how to spell, yeah. you know how to write, you know how to do your maths. So you, you're not an idiot. You didn't, you didn't leave school at, you know, at the end of year eight, per se. Yeah. I'm not calling everyone that left school an idiot after year eight. <laughs> but you, know, you've, you, you are a smart fella, so you obviously had the capacity to excel at the sport and then just sort of float through doing the doing the mandatory school stuff as well. Yeah, it was a, as a, wasn't it something that I found really hard, like all your, your subjects, but yeah. just didn't really apply myself. Didn't spark. So, you didn't light your fire. Yeah. yeah so okay. trying to teach my kids now that are you know sixteen or thirteen going through high school, trying to get them to focus. Knowing that I didn't. Mm, Touche. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hear, hear that, kids? When dad's like, I need you to focus. She's like, well, you fucking didn't. <laughs> and you're doing all right, dad. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Tell us about um, when did the spark come about joining the, joining the military? Because you and I know your, I was going to say, you and I know your older brother. Yes, we both do. <laughs> <laughs> I've known him my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I heard a bloody joke once. It's like one one uh, fellow said to the other, you were your brother that got killed in the war. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't me. It wasn't yeah. But um, no, so sort of when I left school, had a bunch of jobs and again was just totally focused on playing sport. So whatever my job was, was so that I could go to the pub, but also to, you know, fund me playing sport pretty much all week. What, what were those jobs, mate? Like, run us through that. Were you very hands-on? Was it kind of very um, physical labour kind of stuff? Or did you go into retail? Or what was that like? She so didn't join straight after school. 17 years, 12, you know, like, boom, straight in like I did. And you used well, pretty much, so a lot of other, yeah. our, our guests as well. Yeah. But you had how many years in the as an adult? Oh, I joined when I was 25. So like oh, oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't. I, there's always something I learn about <laughs> yeah, someone, wow. and that is you. Yeah. So my, as you, as you said, Luke, like very physical jobs to start off with, as reflected with my year 12 score. Like there was no <laughs> uni or anything like that. But um, yeah, builder's labourer, did that for a bit. Worked in warehouses, factories. Yep. Uh, went and was a lifesaver at the pools for a while. So I was pretty much trying to do any job that was that I thought was easy. Yep. So I could just live my life. And play sports. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so pool lifeguard during the summer, then find a job in a warehouse or whatever in the winter, back to the pools in the summer, did that for a few seasons. And then um, what else did I do? Throwing some debt collection in there. <laughs> yeah. Mate, yeah. That. Yeah. six that's foot four is like, oi, fuck face, yeah. you own some money. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, we started off like just on the phone, like chasing people up for overdue car loans, They're doing that for a while. Did that for a couple of years. And then uh, with a mate of mine as well, we started our own little company, 
process serving, so serving summonses and kneecaps ink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> the paperwork. <laughs> G'day, how you going? Yeah. We're here to bloody get the debt. <laughs> Pretty much. Or if not, here's your, your court summons. So. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> and a little bit of dead ground counselling to go with it. <laughs> No, 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 it was, no. It was, yeah, it was yeah. all around all yeah, board. Some, some dodgy areas in Sydney. So it was yeah. more like, are you Luke? Yep, there's your paperwork. See you later. See you later. <laughs> yeah. um, what else did I do? And then from there, went and delivered cigarettes. Did that for a couple, for oh, maybe a couple of years. Fuck me, when is this going to end? <laughs> well, this is the last step before yeah. like, what sort of drove me to join the army. No, well, yeah. you've probably listed 15 different yeah. jobs that you've had. Like, yeah. I don't remember even meeting someone who's got, did like 15 different things before they joined the military. Yeah. It's very diverse. Yep, so when uh, delivering smokes, I drove on a van around Sydney, you know, dropping off big bundles of smokes. At, In the dairy at, bus. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> at all the tobacconists. And then um, while doing that, got held up at gunpoint. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, got abducted for an hour. <laughs> Holy Driving fuck. around Sydney, like transferred into another car, landed out the van, sort of drive me around. I'm like, you know, from having the gun pointed at me to under a blanket in the back of a car, like lying down, driving around Sydney for an hour. Was it a random attack? or It had been happening to a few of the drivers. Right. So they knew. Like, the cigarette smoke truck yeah. driver. That's what they were after. Yeah. Right. yeah and oh, by the way, while you're here... Yeah, there's about a quarter million bucks worth of smokes back then. So, you know, early 2000s, that was a fair chunk of money. Mm. Was yeah. that was that kind of the decision point where you thought, if someone's going to point a fucking gun at me, I want to get paid a lot more and I want a lot more stability out of it? Was and that I want the opportunity of pointing it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> Give that, me one too. Yeah, that was <laughs> kind of like the, the tipping point, I guess. Yeah. Because there was a few years before that where I had thought about joining um, as an adji, actually. So I'm talking about sorry to hear that. three or four years beforehand. <laughs> like just always had it in my mind. Like the defence force was always an option. Um, as you said right at the start, like rich family history of, you know, people in the Army or, or Air Force and Navy as well. Um, go back to my my nan's uncle was back, like he landed at Gallipoli. Yeah, right, wow. wow. Got shot That's in the cool. head, died six days later in Egypt. Shit, yeah, wow. Um, skip a generation. So my granddad was in the army. He did, um, he went to Africa, went to New Guinea, uh, did that, and then skipped to Vietnam, had my dad was in the Navy. His brother was in the army. On mum's side, had another uncle in the army, another uncle in the Navy. And Holy shit. Yeah, and then, well, Jace, my older brother, he joined the army straight out of school. I was going to get to that bit, but we come back to that in a second. Yeah. Uh, and also my cousin, he right. was in the Navy, so he did a couple of trips as well. Mate, so you were always going to join the military. It was always an option. Like, I knew I could fall back on it. Yeah. yeah. My goal, probably leaving school, was to, I would wanted to be a firefighter. That was always my end goal. So I applied a few times, didn't get in, and then I'm like, oh, Army, firefighter, let's go. From, yeah. from what I understand, being a civvy firefighter, it's a pretty it's a pretty tough gig to get into, right? The selection criteria and the, the vacancies available, it, it's pretty selective. And from perhaps you need to know somebody in that sort of space to be able to open a door for you. Is that right, mate, from your understanding? It's definitely hard to get into. I tried yeah. three times <laughs> and, you know, it was uh, a bit too selective for me, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's what made me keep jumping around all the other jobs. So half of me was... Always aimed at, at um, being a fiery, and then yeah, the the uh, the stick up happened, and I'm like, oh, army fiery, let's go. 
Yeah. I'm very interested to hear. I uh, I know how close you and Jace are, and he he would have already been in the military when you were like 15, 16. No, so he's seven years older than me. Roll that. So, so that's that's, that's definitely the case. So as you were yeah. getting to the end of your school, was he not like tapping you on the shoulder? I know he wasn't. He was obviously off doing his thing. Yeah. Um, in the Royal Australian Corps signals, and he's but he's, was he not like all right, Damo? You're getting fifteen now. Getting like was he not sort of. No, he didn't really. He, he yeah, just, encouraging you to join straight out of school like he did? No, I, I knew all about like his journey and his um, like every posting that he went to and yeah. what he was in, as much as he could say, you yeah. know, what he was up to. But he never really put pressure on me, just just sort of let me run my own race. I guess he could see that I was more focused on sport as well. Yeah, good, good. But, yeah, no pressure at all. So it obviously happened. We'd, uh, you go down to Defence Force Recruiting at Parramatta? Yep, down at... That was a guess. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So that was a, a bit of a home ground for me as well because I worked in Parramatta for a while. So I knew exactly where the where the office was. Um, Great footy team, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no. That, that's an inside joke, ladies and gentlemen, between Damo and I. Yeah, and growing up out there, plenty of mates go for Parramatta as of well. Of course. But myself, being a South supporter, yep. we've uh, had, had the rub of the green for the last few years. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, I was actually born in Redfern as well. Oh, right, there you go. And my grandmother was a, a South supporter. Dad's a South supporter. So I was kind of like... Got influenced from a young age. Yeah, yeah. but the rest of the family, Dragon supporters. Mm. Right. Mm. Young rabbits. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> stuck with it. It's been a good choice. But so tell us about tell us about your first uh, your first kind of experience. Like, were there butterflies in the belly when you were rocking up? Like, obviously, you know, you've signed on. You've got a rich family history, so you've got a lot to live up to. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't fuck this up. You've got, you know, your whole family's <laughs> looking at you being the new guy on the on the pitch. Yeah, so it felt kind of comfortable like going into para. Like, it was a, a um, an area I knew. Did all the signing up, swearing, jumping on the bus. From there, we had to go into the Sydney airport again. Familiar with that? Like, cool. No worries, chatting away on the bus, meeting all the all the new guys. Finally, get down to Kabuka, get off the bus, or when the the first guy jumps on the bus. So, what year we talking now? Two thousand four. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it must have been the sergeant or something jumps on the bus. Big fella, bald head, boom, <laughs> just a big unit. Starts yelling at us. We're like, oh, this is a little bit different to you know being on the bus and stopping at Macca's <laughs> on the way down. And hey, you guys, come over here. We'll do this. We'll do that. Get back on in five minutes and. But get down there and it's just like, boom, let's We're go. On. This so is go time. Yeah, Did that hit you and like literally, like holy shit, this is this is A grade now. Yeah, that's this guy's for real. He's yep. giving us a pasting. It's like flip the switch. This is you know totally different to what I'd experienced at like ever before. So even but even with your family history, like. Did you see what were the what were the looks on the other people's faces in the buses who maybe have had no one in the military join? I don't know. I was just looking at the <laughs> scary dude walking down you the aisle, just tearing starfishes no. out of the seat. Yeah, <laughs> but there was you could have heard a bin drop, except for him. Yeah, like yelling and whatever he yells, and then getting out, emptying out your bags, and there's guys pulling out knives and baseball bats and like. <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing here? <laughs> you, you whisper him to him going, mate, I didn't know you are from Quakers Hill. <laughs> Brass knuckles. <laughs> no, but straight away I'm like, sweet, they can have the heat. I'll just sit back. That was, that was probably the, the bit of advice that Jace gave me. He goes, try not to stick out. Just yeah. you know, get in the background, do as you're told. You know, yes sir, no sir. What did you think of Kapuka when you first got there? Yeah. Well, Rolling hills of Wagga? Yeah. Were you there in the summer, winter yeah, or otherwise? Winter. It was um, July. 
Your so, shit. Yeah. Frost, frosty mornings. I Chilly. Think it was the coldest ever winter ever. in Wagga. Yeah, yeah. Ever, yeah. I didn't have to say that. But not <laughs> not as cold as winter in Canberra, though, mate. Well, they reckon it know. was. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that same winter went through Wagga first as it went from the west to the east. So stand fast. It was the same winter, mate. 2004. Was it really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember it being that cold. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been different in Canberra. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just getting in there. Uh, what were you like at drill weapons let's just sort of focus on that bit what, how did well, you all like did you play um, cowboys and Indians when you were or was this sport not really just sport yeah. um, were you pretty handy with your weapon handling never skills never touched and a like, weapon never right. seen a weapon before so that took a bit of yeah. learning did you used to practice your salutes and everything in the, in the mirror before you joined <laughs> like none of that stuff no, or you were still no. like pretty green yeah the only thing I was probably any good at was running yeah, like good. Was, yeah. So that was a, a good base. I knew how to swim as well. So that you know, those guys formed to the bottom of the pool during those PT sessions. So that was like an easier part for me. But uh, when it comes to drill, straight away they're like, "You're right, marker." Of course. Like, yeah. What, is, what does that mean? Yeah. And I, I stand here, mate. I imagine that you know, having such an athletic background, like sports, a range of sports and, and stuff like that, you would have been pretty physically fit. And yeah. you know, and and as as we've spoken about in other podcasts, that. That, if nothing else, is the, the first advantage that you can have going into any kind of, you know, ab initio training is taking that target off your back by being physically yeah. fit and, and coordinated. Yeah, not, wasn't first, wasn't last. Yeah, I was exactly, exactly. Where I was happy to be. What about when you um, did go down the range doing some shooting? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, like learning how the weapon works. Wasn't a terrible shot, which surprised me. I thought I'm going to be, you know, <laughs> ordinary at this. But, uh, yeah, it turned out to be not too bad. Again, middle of the pack. Yeah, good. Um, Focus on your breathing. Yeah, just, and I guess it comes back to the training part as well. Like, yeah. You know, if you've trained for any other sport, like you get critiqued on that. Mm. Hey, change this, do that, shift your body this way. And same thing with the um, with the weapon. It was just, you know, the instructor's telling me what to do. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Did you see some other people really struggling down there? Yeah. And that's what sort of, again, I guess you, you judge yourself along the way how you are comparing to the rest of your of your class mm-hmm. and I've just you'd see that and like, okay, well I'm not doing too bad. Yep. So yeah. So and Luke and I spoke along. to Ryan about um <clears throat> the instructors would have loved the opportunity that he was a bit of an older fella. Did you get did you feel he got on you're able to relate to the instructors a little bit more? Because there would have been other yep. 24, 25 year old corporals down there. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, being a 17, 18 year old guy or girl. So that you, did you did you feel like you were being not treated differently, but did they rely on you to give them a bit of insights about what was happening to the rest of the young guys and girls in the platoon? Yeah, I suppose. And, you know, there was only one other guy that was older than me and he was a fire as well, so we paired up pretty early on. Um, but, yeah, they would sort of treat us differently, as you would expect yeah. to a, a young guy that hasn't experienced the world at all. You know, I'm going in there seven, or five or six years older than them. Yep. So they're like, okay, you know pull these guys in the line, yeah. this is how you do it, show a bit of teamwork, show a bit of leadership. It's also a bit more composure too from, from yourselves. Or, you know, I speak from, from me uh, it, working with older guys and girls going through ab initio training and stuff. There's also that level of composure yeah. that, that they, they tend to display and so that kind of makes it a, a lot easier to relate to somebody and communicate with them in that environment and yeah. to be able to feed that back into the rest of the trainees. Yeah. Was there one element of basic training you did find challenging? Um. I think it was all a challenge whenever you experience something brand new. Yeah. You know, the first time, like, touching a weapon, doing drill, waking up at, 
whatever time with the with your sheets on your shoulder, having to make your bed. I'm like, man, I made it yesterday. <laughs> you know, getting out of the hallway. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think it was all a challenge. Just as long as you can pick it up as you go. What about obs course? Yeah, that was a bit of fun. I yeah. think um, I think our section won that good, good challenge, which was you know just a teamwork thing. Like we we had a pretty good crew eventually. Like it was, I think when we started off the whole lines like every room was full and we're, like my room was right down the back which platoon were you in 15 platoon bravo company stand fast yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh which is actually the same platoon that jace was in when he went through oh there you go yeah, yeah. so when um yeah when i started the the, the lines photo full. up on the wall yeah sure yeah yep. uh and i ended up you know when you, you get there and the, the whole lines are full every room as we're going along there's people dropping off dropping off left and right so shuffling rooms all the time and I ended up in the same bed space that Jace was in. Oh, <laughs> you know, that's back cool. In 1990, I think he went in. Right. So, that's awesome. Yeah. But I remember the, you know, the, the first night was a bit of a, a shock as well. Like, get there and finally get to relax a bit, like, in your bed, but your mind's still racing. Yeah. Staring at the roof. What yeah. the fuck have I done? And I remember this guy that was in the bed, like, just on the other side of the peti- uh, petition, gets up, walks out, like, comes back in, reeking of smoke. <laughs> He's jumped out. Gone out and punched in Dari. Yeah, and this is like, you know, early morning, like one o'clock in the morning or something like that. Just jumps out, has a smoke. And he was doing it all the time. I'm like, fuck, he's got some balls. Big, big brass set on him. How did he keep that? Well, he didn't. (laughs) I woke up one morning and his bed space is empty. He was there when we went to bed. Woke up in the morning and he's gone. Just gave it the flick. Gone, gone. Yeah, didn't see him again. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Um, But yeah. What about eating ration packs and like living in the field and what did you like that um, cam cream on, you know, cam up, switch on, face out sort of tactical environment? Yeah, I did. I did enjoy it. Like the food was never an issue. Just eat whatever you, whatever I could. <laughs> <laughs> Empty out the ration pack. And, and sometimes uh, what I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. no, there was no, no sneaking food in. But um, yeah, I enjoyed being outfield. Like did a lot of camping as a kid. So not that it's camping, but. You know, you know how to go and sit on the ground and not be too precious about where, you, what you're walking through and yep. how far you got to walk. So. Yeah. Was there a moment as you were going through training or perhaps after where it kind of that really hit you where you were going, "Fuck, I am in the defence force. Like this is real. I'm no longer a civilian. I'm no longer, you know, considered that soft body civilian. I'm now a hard body, you know, um, <laughs> military member, a veteran of a couple <laughs> of weeks. <laughs> no, I suppose as you get towards the end, you know, and you work through your the different tabs that that, that you wear, like for each different level that you go yeah. through and probably, you know, with a week or two to go as you start practising your march out and, you know, getting ready to move on to your next lot of training. I think that's when it really hit me and I'm like, okay, well, I've still got a bunch of training to go. Yep. So as a fire, you've got to do driver's course, combat engineer course and then the fire's course. So it's almost another year's worth of training. So I knew it was the first step but probably yep. the most important step and, mm-hmm. yeah, it probably hit me right towards the end of that. Yeah, if Jai wanted to go to, to Kapuka, what what advice would you pass on to him? I'd, I'd totally encourage it. Yeah, like, good. Yeah. Oh, I have no doubt about that. But what about like the that's the dynamics of going down there? But like, right, this is what it's going to be like, son. I need you to do this, this, and this. Or you sort of reflect upon what Jay said to you back in the day. Yeah, pretty and, much. And he's a pretty similar kind of character to me, so he yeah. would find it easy to slip into that grey man kind of position. Yeah. And even though he's He'll be the right marker as well. He's pretty tall. <laughs> um, although he wouldn't like it. He's got long shoulder length hair yep. at the moment. I, um, oh, that's what I missed out. When when I joined, 
I still had a, a nice long rat's tail down the back. Oh, oh. exquisite. No. Yeah. Got a, There's bloody Quakers Hill on you, mate. There's yeah. something <laughs> about you. <laughs> Shaved my head before we went as well. So. Did you? Yeah. So the rat's tail stood out even more. No, no, shave oh, that off. That off. Oh, right. Yeah. I thought you had, to, thought you had a, a bloody um, a, br- a Brussels sprout and a rat's tail. No. <laughs> I might have had that before. I got that from you, by the way. <laughs> but, yeah, that was just another thing so that it didn't stick out. Yep. Just, you know, already going in looking like you, I'm ready. you should be there. I'm so here. Let's rock and roll. I'd probably take a bit of pleasure in shaving Jai's head, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so did you go to um, driver's course down in Pucker first or did you go straight to SME? We went straight to SME because there was no driver's courses on at that time. Okay. I think we just missed it by a week or something, so they... Sliding doors moment. Yeah. All good. So Did you put a holding platoon or something at SME then, or did they start doing some of the training with you? Yeah, so went into straight into the engineer's course, and then um, still no driver's course available, so we went and did a bit of OJT with the fiery troop in Holsworthy. Yeah, great. Um, So got to experience what it was like and... Was SME still out the back there at Moorbank then? Yeah, it yeah. was. Yep. Yep. Along yeah. Moorbank Avenue? Yeah, it was yep. nice, just on the back of the river. Yep. Um, I really enjoyed my time there. Uh, it was good because I could go home on the weekend as well. Engineers yeah. have got a reputation for drinking piss. Oh. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. Confirmed. Um, but that was. Did that you was love really that good. barracks life? Like you're not in training anymore. You're in training, but you're not in training. Yep. Come four o'clock, knock off. You want to go to the boozer, crack on. Like yep. it's just, it's a good. I, I remember that feeling. It's yeah. just you, you're starting to just get a little bit of freedom, but you're still in that training mindset. Did yeah. you have, have that same? Yeah, like getting off the bus at the at the door of, of SME and we're like, hey, we need to go to this building, whatever the building number was. And I'm at the, at the fence is like, yep, it's over there, mate. Like, okay. So we're just four of us walking in, like dragging our trunks along yep. and uh, sort of moved into our rooms, got all that sorted. And then they're like, all right, see you Monday. What? What do you mean? I've got free time. <laughs> the training okay. wheels are off, boys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's, you know, so I ducked home for the weekend and it was, yeah, a bit of a shock. Like, yeah. of course, like looking back, you go, oh, yeah, we, there's nothing else to do. Why wouldn't you have a bit of free time? But when you've come from, you know, getting up at this time, going to bed yep. at this time, doing this, doing this, like minute by minute, it was a, uh, yeah, I guess, a bit of a, a welcome shock. A wel- yeah, I was going, not, not a welcome change, a welcome shock. Yeah. 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 And then um, back to reality, though. Yeah, it wouldn't have taken you long to, s- to s- slip back into a, a good routine, though. No, that's right. Like I think the, we didn't have very long in between getting there and then the, the course starting. So maybe a, a week or two in the the holding platoon. So just doing PT every morning and then odd jobs around the base, whatever needed to be done. Yeah. Um, but then, is that something you're looking forward to as a fiery having to do the combat engineers course? Well, I saw it more yeah, as like a lay the foundation for you. Yeah, well, just because it's part of the engineer core, so it's mm. got a, that's the your base trade. And um, what were some of the key competencies that you learned during that course? Well, I found the the construction stuff easy because I'd already sort of worked on building sites for a couple of years worth of just labouring, doing every trade you know that we needed to do. Um, so that was good. Kind of rounded that out. I found that part. Yeah, reasonably easy. That's why you're such a handyman around here. Like you are <laughs> just, you just the amount of things you've fixed in this office over the last nearly four years has been countless. Yeah, I've swung a hammer a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I know you like doing it too, and it's very yeah. much appreciated on our end because me and flat packs, let alone fucking hanging something <laughs> on the wall, do not go. Yeah, no, I do I enjoy think. it. Um, what else? I think doing the demolition stuff that was a, a really good blowing shit up. Yeah, yeah that's that cool. was that was fun and eye opening. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the, 
the highlight out of it all. But also saw it as just a stepping stone to the next one as well. Yeah. What was the gender balance like, mate? <clears throat> like noting it was a combat call that you were going into at that point in time. Was it all was it all stag? Was it all male at that point, or did you have females on your course and stuff as well? Yeah, I think it was. The we only had a a couple of females like at Kapuka, so I was used to the, the fully male environment yep. pretty much. And then engineer course was all males. Yep. Yeah, uh, and same again for the fireys course, which was not uncommon. So, just for the context of the audience, around that time period, going into combat course, it was very common for it to be um, male only sort of intakes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the course was like fifty or sixty blokes. It yeah. was massive. Yeah, and did you did you have a good camaraderie amongst the amongst the team? Like, was it a good bunch of blokes that you went through? Do you stay in contact with them with some of those guys now? Like, what's that what's that dynamic like? Um, not really keeping contact with anyone. Uh, I saw. A as you as you do, you float in yep. and out, you know, different postings and running to them like, oh, you know, I remember you from back then. Yep. But um yeah, it was a good good group of people that we went through the course with. Um had some fun. Yep. Playing a bit of sport in there as well, uh, which is always good. <laughs> but um yeah, we had a I think quite a quite a chunk of them ended up over at IRR. Yep. Uh, as it was back in the day before SOA. Yeah, tell us, what, so when you finished your IETs and you've even done, you got your driver's course under your belt, where, well, where was your first proper unit? At Holsworthy. So right. as part of Incident Response Regiment, yep. or the, uh, the Emergency Response Squadron. So the, it's kind of divided into engineers and fireys um, down in Sydney. And then, yeah, we did some some pretty cool stuff as, as a fiery. Like, we weren't engineers at all at that time. Um, did some urban search and rescue so it was not long after, or it was a few years after the Threadbow disaster. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the country realised that we needed some sort of uh, skills to go along with recovering Dang. people out of um, yeah, collapsed buildings and, yep. and all that type of stuff. So that was, I really enjoyed that training. That's probably the, the highlight of my training as a fiery was was doing that training with uh, Melbourne Fire Brigade. Yeah, um, awesome. Spent a month down there just... Been a, a fiery for real, hanging off shit and moving shit and jumping yeah. in stuff. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Not scared of heights or anything. Stuff. No, I did no. plenty of plenty of rope stuff. Still nervous, like yeah. going over the edge. Um, or confined spaces. Yep, yeah, fine with confined spaces, yeah, like nice. crawling through. You know, bit hard for me to squeeze through some spaces. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it was like teams change, get the little fella down here. <laughs> but, um, Back out, day, mate. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what it was like. It, did you find it a reasonably exciting time to be at Holsworthy? Because we're talking, what, 2005, 2006 now. Yeah. Afghan Rotation 1 had just kicked off. Yeah. I was on a plane going over there, but, like, that whole ramp-up focus of what was going on with the first sort of um, eventual series of SOTG trips, a lot of money being poured in the Holsworthy, redevelopment of that whole barracks and everything. So you'd, um, IRR started to really kick into gear then, didn't it? Yeah, and like we saw some of the engineer side, um, I think they went on one of the early trips as well. Um, and that was before the fireys and engineers kind of combined um, to boost up, like support to tag and, you know, starting to get into those rotations as well. And that's yep. when we kind of fell back into engineer mode. mode. Yeah. yeah. Mate, did you notice a shift in the in the demeanour or in the focus of the the base as a whole when when that you know when those SOTG um, trips started sort of rolling down? Did you notice that people started having a laser like focus towards righto? This is go time now. This is we're not sort of we're not in training. We're not at rehearsing. This is fucking real life, and we're going down range. Did you notice a, a shift in the sort of mentality of the base mentality of the units and the capabilities? Yeah, because before then the only real sort of live training that they did was the live agent training in, in Canada. Yeah. And that was 
you know, if you've got to go on that trip, we're like, sweet, go over there and work hard for a bit and, you know, get a, a trip to Canada as well. Yeah. And it's gone from that to, as you said, like, we're going game faces on. Yeah. Like, there's some some pretty serious stuff going on and yeah. we need to be involved in that and, and support the units that we support. Yeah, mm. lots of other, uh, other agencies starting to come in, some more capabilities coming in, some yep. you know, some US guys coming in to do some joint training as well. So, yeah, it was, it was a good time to be around then, wasn't it? It was. And, you know, that kind of was a, a shift in focus for me. Um, once the the manning of the unit was was sorted out, and you know, the guys that wanted to be fireys had to go up to the northern uh, units up in Townsville and Darwin. And those that wanted to stay could stay in Sydney and, and be part of you know the more engineer focused stuff. So as fireys, we always got chucked in the the decon side of things for the for the domestic stuff. And then the um, you know once the the trips to Afghanistan started you know coming thick and fast, like rotation after rotation. We, uh, we slid in there as well, and that's when I got to um, focus on the, the biometric side of things. So yeah, it's a good little segue, because after yeah. I, as everyone knows, after I did my first rotation, I went down and met this young man down at, down at Duntroon for a couple of years, and then at the end of that, bang, I was across there again, so I went across to Kandahar as the plans officer for SOTG in very late 2008, early 2009, mm-hmm. and that's when you and I met. That's right. Um, yeah, early 2009, I think might have been end of January for me. When I uh, when I turned up there, then um, yeah, I think probably one of the first blokes I met. Yeah, <laughs> Robbie is like, are you Jace's brother? Right. <laughs> yeah. Which was a, a common thing that I got like everywhere I went. Didn't matter if I was on course, if I was in Holsworthy, where Jace had been posted um, for a few years beforehand. It's always like you could just see him looking at you like. Uh, is that Jason? No. He's a tall guy, a dark hair, Gregson. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking same name. Looks like him. He must be his brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. How, how was meeting him being the first bloke, mate? What is that tidal wave of charisma? Just, just. Uh, As I say, good friends stab <laughs> you in the front. <laughs> so, mate, go your hardest. Yeah. No, it was exactly like that. Like yeah. anyone else that's, that's met Robbie since then, it's just like there's that uh, the personality hits you first. Yep. And then, uh, <laughs> but we we got on really well. Like yeah. He was, um, you know, I was not. On the same base as as Robbie, I was on a different um, part of Kandahar, like with the uh, with the US Special Forces. I was embedded with them uh, in their biometrics and, and forensics lab, so we'd have to sort of drive down the road to go and visit Robbie for the you know every meetings every night and, and all that type of stuff. But we barbecues um, and whatever else. <laughs> yeah, yep. Could had our own little uh, ping pong table in there as well, which yep. is. <laughs> Again, straight into another sport. Like, yeah. <laughs> let me Anything. play everyone in that. <laughs> he he beam out the back, but he bench press comps. You know, it, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's why I stuck more to, to the ping pong than all that. I was not, <laughs> not a bit like some other people, but it was really good. I tell lots of people like you were, you know, part of that US Special Forces group, and that human biometrics and bomb residue stuff was really good for one of our trusted, you know. Aussie, wear, Aussie cam wearing persons to come back and then inject that stuff back into mm-hmm. our targeting cycle straight away as yep. some other higher level capability started to come online as well. So what you were doing over there was really, really helping. Yeah. Because yeah. that's when it really first kicked off, wasn't it? That human biometric and bomb residue analysis, like it's that's some deeper level targeting stuff. Yeah, I think it, the capability kind of started up in maybe 2008. So I was the second or third rotation of guys in. Um, but yeah, learning how it plugged into everything uh, like into the targeting place, like we were just a bit of the jigsaw that you yeah. know, sometimes was what you know the extra bit that was needed, and then mm. you could see how it would feed into the intelligence cycle, and then the targeting, and then the you know the results that we'd see off that. And yeah, yeah I really enjoyed 
being part of that and, and seeing that capability grow as well. Like well it's heaps of training. Was that the first time, mate, that you kind of stepped into that strat space? Like, whilst I know it's still a targeting cycle and I know it's still tactical action that may be taken off that, obviously, like you've just indicated, you know, you're talking about being a, a part of the jigsaw puzzle and you're that small piece that makes up, you know, a critical part. Was that the first time that you'd stepped into that strat space? And what what was kind of something that, that resonated strongly with you or, or something that was really surprising about working in that space? Was it just how many capabilities there are that sort of tying together? You know, what was that like, mate? Yeah, just getting to know what the other bits of the jigsaw were. Yeah. Like it, it, I always had a vague uh, understanding of what else was out there, but then getting to see how it all plugged together yeah. and then, yeah, just the, re- the results that, that the guys out there on the ground achieved and then were able to keep sort of feeding the beast for want of a better term and just yeah. see how it all rolls. It's was, it's was amazing. Very, sorry, mate. It's, it's very easy for us. You know, you reflect back on it now and it's it's easy to forget just how much synchronisation and how much effort goes towards, you know, bringing a capability to bear and, and all of those inputs that go to that. It's mm. really, really easy to forget, you know, the, the, the level of, levels of professionalism that are required to do that. Especially yeah. when you're working with a super high-end capabilities of another country and a whole coalition force, Mm. which then needs to be fused and approved and then implemented at at that highest level before it trickles back down again. Yeah, so maintaining the relationships with the guys that I was working with or side-by-side day-to-day, the the American guys, and then, yeah, making sure that we could help them and they could help us. And, you know, it's... It was a bit of a, a tiptoe sometimes, like making sure that you're keeping everyone happy. Yeah. Because it's pretty easy to get things switched <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, a, nothing a tray of bloody Tim Tams couldn't fix though. <laughs> oh, well, got to thank uh, my, uh, my supplies back home. Every time we got a box, it was like six or seven boxes of Tim Tam in there. Yeah. And the Americans just loved it. And yeah. that, that opened many, many doors. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> the currency of Afghanistan. It was. Among other things, but we'll keep them on the down low. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of the Burishman report's still out in the moment. Um, <laughs> oh, the book's still open. <laughs> uh, shush, shush. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, good answer. Did you do any other, other trips? Or was that your... Yep, go for yep. it. Um, yeah, so did the about six months in 2009, and that was good. I think might have been even after you left that uh, Jace, my brother, was deployed over there as well. So that He was came over for the recce and we saw him over there, which yeah, is good. But he, um, yeah, he got got a full gig as well. So we spe- got to spend a bit of time, which was um, pretty unique. Yeah. Know, sort of hanging out in Afghanistan with my brother. Like both in the army was... Uh, a highlight that you can look back on. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's probably not until you look back on it when you realise how special it is. Yeah. Yep. So... Um, yeah, so finished off 2009. It's a long way from the same bed space in bloody Bravo <laughs> in uh, 15 platoon. That's right. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a it was a nice nice addition to the career for sure. Not many people would have that on their resume, mate, to say that they've been in you know been overseas on ops with their with their family members. So it's pretty special. What yeah. was the trip after that then? Uh, 2011. So had you know, a little bit of time back home, uh, going through the, the the rest and recovery cycle and everything, and then. Yeah, back in 2011 where the capability had grown even more and uh, that time got to head up the capability as well. So Were you, that's still based out of Kandahar? Yep, same yep. spot. I mean, that same bed space again. Right. Which is awesome. There you go. Um, but that was, you know, a pretty good setup as well because I had you know, access to you know, Skype back then yep. to, to call home whenever yep. I wanted, um, which was vitally important because um, well, one thing I missed out on – in 2009 was the birth of my son. Mm, so yeah. I didn't get home 
till three months after he was born. Yeah. So that was a, a nice, like we knew it was going to happen. It wasn't a surprise, but um, to go through it and then to to walk out of the airport and and pick him up for the first time was yeah, that's cool. You know, it was a big, a big year of first yeah. for sure. Mm. Uh, but 2011 was was totally different. You know, everything's much more established. Mm. Probably a lot busier over there. Different types of targeting, more yeah. short notice, time sensitive, dynamic targeting stuff. Yeah, and then I was trying to develop or continue to develop the capability. So I was meeting with lots of other countries and their, you know, their similar sort of capabilities that we had, but each one was sort of more heavily focused on on other things as well. So being able to go and meet someone brand new, different country, you know, strike up that rapport, get to know them. And then you know, we can help them, they can help us as well. So that was yeah. a, a really enjoyable part of my second trip. So was that that second trip, Was that a, as RT was just saying, was that a much higher tempo? To, so, you know, I'm not saying that the first one wasn't a higher tempo because, ladies and gents, they're all fucking high tempo. Just evol- evolution. But, but yeah, a lot higher tempo in terms of, you know, your requirements, your, your opportunities. We have more assets. We have yeah, more yeah. targeting capabilities. Like, we, I was there as the opposite then, so we we're, were just able to be more, more nimble and just reach out and touch people yeah. and things. Yeah, and the, the boys yeah. on the ground were much busier, yeah. from my memory, uh, which resulted in more stuff coming our way to to pull apart and yeah. and find the biometrics in the IEDs and yeah. you know whatever else they sent us. Yeah, because <laughs> it was good, mate. Like they were literally, <laughs> they were, you know, they had they had other bits of handheld technology that they could implement on target and then come back, take out the SD card for one of a better word, upload it to you straight away and you've got instant access to it. So it yeah. really, like technology was our best friend. So use of assets and technology and just overall confidence in, in the capabilities helped the whole targeting cycle a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. What's the right word for it? I was going to say more rewarding, but I don't know, I think probably had more impact. Yeah, okay. Is, is how I felt from 2011, just... As you said, based on the the improvements in everything, in theatre. So that's kind of two two rotations in three years. Yep. When you come back from that second rotation, did you did you slip back into to life seamlessly? Like, did you take a break? You know, what did that look like for you? Um, so it was around the same time of the year. I think deployed around January, February. So back in the middle of winter. Yep. Um, yeah, kind of just chilled out for the rest of the year, and then um, that was the end of my deployments, yep. and they'd. Um, also made the decision in the unit. So by then, like, we transitioned over to SOA, yep. the Special Operations Engineer Regiment. And, like, I wanted to stay there as long as I could because yeah. I was having so much fun in the job and, you know, getting rewarded, like, for your contribution. Yep. Like, I just, yeah. Like, I just love that part of it. But they're like, if you're going to stay a fiery, you've got to leave. <laughs> <laughs> we need to broaden your horizon there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I was lucky enough to get an extra year um, at SOA. So I was one of the last fireys to leave. Uh, got to run the Rio cycle next year. So all yeah. the, they'd started implementing that. Uh, so the new guys coming into the unit, putting them through all their training, that took the best part of six months. Uh, such a wide range of skills that they needed to know on top of their you know, combat engineering skills. Uh, so it was good to see people wanting to start to come to the unit yeah. and then like seeing it as... Not quite a selection as far as uh, commandos, SAS or anything, but sort of trying to get something kind of similar where people wanted to be there. Yeah. Because yeah. they knew the job. Yeah, it's uh, gold, mate. Yeah, so did that for another year. And then by then it was 
Sorry, mate. It's time to go. The schema rep had to come down and drag you out so by mate, the We need to yeah. broaden your, your profile. That's yeah. what I meant to say. Or you can go back to being a sapper and start again and be an engineer. Yeah, so yeah right. And uh, you went. Yeah, no, mate. That. That's fucking not happening. So where'd you go? <laughs> up here to Amberley. Went up to Amberley to the fiery mm. school, which is good because, you know, as you, you guys have said before, you don't really know something until you have to teach it. So for me, it was kind of like relearning it so that I could teach it because <laughs> I'd been yeah. away from the fiery stuff for you know, a good five years, I guess. For very good bloody reason, though. Yeah, yeah. and totally by choice. Yep. Um, so it was good to get back in, uh, teaching the, the new recruits coming through, the uh, Army and Air Force as a, as a joint school, uh, putting them through their paces in the, the basic course and some promotion courses as well. And you've been promoted at this stage as well? Yep, so went up there as a corporal. Um, got promoted to sergeant uh, maybe 2015 or so um, before I got out in, in 16. Let's well, start to talk about a bit of transition then. What was um, what was that little tap on the shoulder look like? How did that all transpire? Because well, you had a few different things occurring in your life then anyway. Yeah, so I was, um, I'd done my three years. It was a three-year posting. They're like, okay, we'll extend you for a fourth. I'm like, cool. Like, oh, I'm happy with that. I really enjoyed the instructional side of it seeing how, you know, the, the trainees develop from the start of the course to the end of the course, yeah. like the amount of skills they pick up was, uh, was very rewarding. So put through, because each course went for almost six months. So we did two courses a year, uh, as well as a, th- a few promotion courses thrown in for, you know, corporal promotion courses. And anyone who's been at, at an instructional role, the organisation gets plenty of, plenty of, you know, pound out of your hide, doesn't it? Yeah, but you yeah. put long hours, it t- takes takes a lot of effort when you're in that instructional role. Yeah, but once you sort of hit your straps, it becomes really enjoyable as well. Yeah, um, Yeah. so from there, they wanted to send me up to Darwin. The The sergeant that was up in Darwin was going to get sent to the school. I'm like, well, we both don't want to go there. Can we stay where we are? And they're like, no, nah, you're going. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, um, what a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as like that was confirmed, I'm like, no. Nah, we're not going to Darwin. Like as a family unit, we we're getting out. Yep. So uh, did he ended up staying, or did the, no. did, the, did the defence force lose two people when they did? Oh yeah, he's, yeah, he stayed. He came okay. down to the school. Oh, uh, there you go. Did his did his time down there? Okay, fair enough. So that would have been even even more disappointing. Only a fifty percent failure rate. Mate. Yeah, not not a hundred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was something that I'd considered anyway. Like I'd kind of being such a small trade, it was pretty small at the top as far as availability of positions uh, and being the, the newest sergeant I knew there was no real career progression because the, the warrant officers were yep. entrenched um, you know there was you know short of something bad happening there wasn't going to be an opening yeah. anytime soon um, so like yep it's time how many years you got under your belt now Just oh, at, at that time at that time yeah 11 12 yeah mate what a, what a great career yeah, considering I thought I'd probably only stay for four or five. Sure. And then get out and join the, the Civi Fireys. Bloody awesome. Didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so from there, started looking for a job, you know, speaking to my, my mates that I grew up with, and um, one of them goes, yeah, I reckon I've got a job for you. I'm like, cool, what is it? And uh, it was uh, as a compliance manager for a building firm, or a, yeah, I suppose they are a building firm, that did uh, maintenance on housing commission houses. In yeah, right. northern New South Wales. I was going to say, that wasn't back at West Sydney, though. No. So now, you're, now you moved to somewhere northern New South Wales. Just remo- remind me, what was the pull to go there? Just a job. Like right. A job yeah. to and get out of the army. Sure. To, to land into something instead of 
getting out and, hey, what am I going to do? Let me just apply for everything. I wanted to make sure that I had that, the next lily pad to jump onto. Yeah. Um, so it was only once I had that confirmed uh, that I put the discharge in, got out very quickly, like under two months, just I've got a job, I need to start now. So that's what I was, I was going to ask about your transition process, mate. You, so you just went, cut it off, noting that you've got 12 years under your belt, so you've got long service leave in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. Did you, so you didn't, you didn't sort of do the plan of dragging that long service, uh, long service leave out, half pay, getting yourself settled somewhere, or did you just cut it and, and, and ran? No, Not run, yeah, Still did the uh, long service leave, half pay. Okay, so yep. Got it sort of double pay for a little while. Yep. Until uh, we established ourselves in Port Macquarie. Um, you know, working in a totally new industry in an area that had no military presence at all was a, a quite a shock. Like they had the still had an Anzac Day march through the city, but there'd be maybe five other you out the front, <laughs> <laughs> right marker, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right marker, dr- dress yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, being. Uh, a place that's pretty popular with retirees. There's plenty of old people that yeah. were, were marching. Yeah. But as far as you know, contemporary veterans there, there was this is the Afghan others. war campaign. Yeah, you and four, <laughs> you and four others. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, so that was a something I had to get used to really quickly. Yeah. Like you kind of almost lose the identity a bit. Like when you come out as a sergeant and you you're just a mister. Yeah. Not, not just a mister, but you know you're, you're back into the real world. It's a um, something that took a, a little bit of getting used to. Yeah. But the the job and learning something totally new, like just took all my my focus and sort of helped me through that part as well. So I think that was pretty good. It was still a relatively soft landing, like working with two or my mate that got me the job was one of my best mates, and then another one of my best mates jumped on working for the same company as well. So to have them, you know, nearby. Whenever I needed to talk to, to anyone was yeah. was pretty handy. Bit of support, bit of camaraderie, yeah. shooting the shit with someone. Not military background, but I guess that was all part of you letting go of the shackles, really. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the shackles were cut pretty quick. But yeah, yeah. Still had that support very close by, which I think was pretty handy. Isn't that such a strange feeling, gents? When when you get out and you're separate, you're separated from defence. And you know, I know that in my transition, which is only recently, by the way, but in my transition, I kind of had the perspective of. Every single time I was stood on the mat by someone and gave my <laughs> given my orders, it didn't matter in terms of you know discipline and, and that sort of. Oh, sorry, it doesn't matter now. Is yeah. is that and that you know applying that across your your career and experience? Like we're all we're all very decorated and done some great things, and we can take some of those good things with us. But you know all of that discipline, all of that sort of drive, you know uh, all of that reprimanding that came with with a military career you know like whilst it was important at the time and it, and it puts you in a place of of discipline and a place of you know outcomes that are required for mission focus and that sort of stuff but yeah. once you separate that's that's gone yeah but, but i'd been the CV beforehand as well yeah mm. true. So as Very that true. stuff was happening to me during my army career like i also had the bit of real life or real world perspective on it as well so when i was getting in trouble for for something i'd just go yeah I wish I had that, mate, because there were plenty of <laughs> <laughs> plenty of uh, experiences where I could have put that into practice. Yeah, yeah. So it's it kind of you know come full circle and yeah. back into back into the real world. When did you first discover Axon? Well, I think probably when it first started. I first started following it. Yeah. Um, obviously, kept in touch with you through social media over the years. Um, saw that you'd started up 
you know, Axon, which was pretty cool. I'm like, oh, you know, from afar, I'm like, good on you, mate. Like, yeah, thanks. Go and, go and have a crack. Yeah. <laughs> and um, have a crack, I am doing. I think we even had a chat very early on. We did a. Yeah, we had a, a coaching session. Yeah. Yep. Because I'd, um, I'd already had a, an investment property in my life, and that was. Looking back, a pretty poor performing yeah. thing. Yeah. But let's yeah. be clear: pr- investment property up in Townsville. Yep, didn't do its thing. What was written on the box didn't happen. No, we, it uh, <laughs> it was the. Uh, I didn't find it for you, by the way. Just in case you're wondering, <laughs> ladies and gents, it no. was in the year BA before Axon. That's right. It was after a couple of deployments and a, a pocket full of cash. Like that was that was a decision back in 2012. But yeah, had the uh, really early on coaching session with Robbie. Didn't you know? Wasn't in a position, or we weren't in a position to. To move on anything it was more just a bit of a compass check, so I could have a different opinion compared to you know, the the guy that I got the house through. Mm. Yep. Um, yeah. So following since the early days. Yep. And then what did you see? Can you remind me what was what was the trigger for you to go? Hey, I see you. I hear you. <laughs> I know you. Yeah. I want to be. I so want to. I almost said I want to be in you, but I didn't. I want to be. I want to be part of Mate, you. I knew you were going there. I want to be part of you. <laughs> I wanted to see the end of that sentence. <laughs> now we. Um, <laughs> Daniel was like, "That was rubbish." Anyway, I'm not, I don't even know if this is going to make the final cut. Anyway, let's see how we go. Uh, so, yeah, spending a, a couple of years down at, at the new job that I found, um, went through a marriage breakdown. Uh, Kids moved up to the Gold Coast, like with my blessing as well. So I knew that I had to move up to the Gold Coast as soon as mm. I found a job. And same thing on, I think you advertised on Facebook, like, hey, we're looking for someone to join the team. Here's the description. I'm like, oh, I reckon I could do, you know, two thirds of that. <laughs> so Six four, <laughs> brown hair, brown eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, most most of the way there. But what um, year was this? We started in 2017. Must have been. Mid eighteen was it? Not mid nineteen. Mid nineteen, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, because I was coming up to the. Was the it mid nineteen you started? So yeah. maybe early nineteen we put the yeah, put that out there. March April something, something like, like that. that. Yep. Um, yeah, I was coming up to the, the Gold Coast every second weekend anyway to see the kids. Um, saw the ad, so I'm like, okay, put my resume together, and then I'm in my mind tossing internal like, do I just reach out to Robbie and go, hey mate, I need a job? Yeah. I'm like, no, nah, I'll do it the right way. So I sent the application off to Tammy and, uh, you know, with the, with the resume on there. Biometrics, was that one of your skills? Oh, I can't even <laughs> remember what was on there. <laughs> but um, then I'm about to send the email. I'm like, I've got to say that I know Robbie. So yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'll put that in the first line. So I'm like, okay, straight away, did that. But did it, tried to do it the official way. Then get a phone call from Robbie. He's like, what are you doing, mate? <laughs> <laughs> you should have just called me. <laughs> But, um, it's your professionalism coming through, yeah, and it's it's, it's, it's true to a T to this day. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, yes, I think the next time I came up, we caught up up at uh, the office in Coomera. I got off that phone call and I said to Tamara, "I've found, I've found the next person who's going to join us." She's like, "Who is this guy?" I said, "I know him from back in Afghanistan. I know he might not have like heaps of like technical experience in our particular field, but I'm like, just fucking trust me, love. Yep. He's fucking joining our team." She's yep. like, well, I'll be the, I'll be the, you know, the, um, <laughs> the, the judge of that. I'm like, of course you will, but when he comes up and you'll meet him, then we'll have, we'll go from there. Yeah, so I think we did a few video calls in the car, like over the, over the, the couple of weeks, and then um, yeah, come up and spent probably a couple of hours 
talking about the job. Um, and I think it was probably then you're like, yep, let's go. We're in it. Yep. I need you to start now. Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so like, That's a familiar tale, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I must have given maybe a, a month's notice because I didn't want to leave the company that I was with in the lurch either. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, I need to train someone to come into that. Got to organise a move, um, you know, up the coast. So, yeah, I think when all was said and done, probably a, a month in between before we before I moved up. Yeah. And, mate, um, it was something that Tamara and I were really proud of is that we we never provided that vehicle or that vessel for you to be able to then spend more time with your kids. Yeah. Because yep. you were doing the, the bloody the Hume Highway bloody dash. Yeah, which was, you know, and I'm, I've said to you before, I'm forever grateful to that you guys have been able to provide that for me. So it's definitely not lost on me. Yeah, and that's great. There was a vehicle in there as well. Yes. <laughs> He's like, I don't have a car. I'm like, here, have, have mine. Yeah, well, that was well, a good yeah. thing about the previous job. I'm like, sweet, you know, company car. And then once you leave... You sweet, Robbie's car. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I've got to go and get a new car. But um, yeah, so sort of re-established everything mm. up here, sort of um, sort of build a, build a house again as far as, you know, furnishing a house. Yeah. But, uh, getting to see the kids a heap more, yep. which is what it was always all about. Yep. So Got a new partner, settled down, got it all sorted. Yep. You, her kids, your kids all get on, you know, yeah. little, little it's blended a little house. family. Because yep, yep. Rachel's got a couple as well, so yeah. yep. when, when we've got them all, it's a house of seven. It's the Brady right. bunch, yeah. mate. It is. Uh, <laughs> so tell us, you're one of the property specialists here at Axon. Yep. What's the thing you find most challenging about your role? It's challenging, I think. Because it's such a, a fluid environment, like one week is not like the next. Mm. Sure, it's, you know, I've been here for nearly four years, so I've, I've seen quite a few changes along the way um, from struggling to get blocks of land to starting to see that free up a little bit more, but then it's rising interest rates, it's lowering bo- lower borrowing capacities. Mm. It's, you know, we want to find that property that, that fits someone perfectly and there's a lot of variables that go into that mm. so i think that's that's probably the the biggest challenge is what suits you doesn't suit you yeah my my observation of what i thought you were going to say um which maybe it wasn't a challenge because you handled it so very well anyway yeah. was about this time last year when we we the the business and our clients were just getting whacked almost every other week with a price rise from the builder or, or the developer yes and then you <laughs> had probably 20 30 calls that you had to make and zoom calls about not convincing and not um, trying to get the buyer of the, of the property to do anything that they're not fully comfortable with, but just speaking through the mechanics and just, you know, breaking it all down and just being fully transparent with them. So, yeah, um, that was a challenge. <laughs> Maybe I'd block that from the memory. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to bring it up. <laughs> can, I, can I say that was pretty early on for me coming into the business as well. And oh, so yes, that you was, were observing that, that. Yeah, that was a fucking stellar example. That of, probably would have been your, one of your first experiences of was, this great man. It was. It was my, my, you know, very early on when I was I was working, or sorry, not working, I was hanging out with the, the property specialists. And so it was one of my first experiences in the business and, in fact, in the business world. And so, you know, to see that, there were a couple of things that I took out of that. One was the level of professionalism that you guys take towards and how much you care towards mm-hmm. taking toward you know towards taking um, information to our clients, taking care of our clients through their journey. But the other the other piece was um, seeing the level of 
the level of impact that you can have just by having an honest conversation with you know that whether that news is good whether that news is is tough whether that news is challenging for our clients just being there to have have that challenging conversation with them um, and knowing that you're going through that journey with them like I saw the value in that and so that's something that I've I've absolutely carried with me you know and I'll continue to carry with me through you know through my, my time here. Yep. It's the best when we're not in a sales environment. We're literally here delivering information and then allowing people to make their their own decision. It just you don't need to be anything other than genuine and and authentic. Is that the part you love most about the job? You can just be yourself. Yeah, and the the feeling of trust that you get from the clients. Yeah, like speaking to such a, a wide range of people, like from all different backgrounds and different careers and different ages, and you know, unique you know things going on in their own life that all need to, to be part of it. Just being able to speak to them and sort of teach them along the way. Yep. But ultimately, the, just the trust they show in us, knowing that we've got their back. You know, and that's, that's the thing that is, is most rewarding. You know? And for me, the, the thing that drives me is I don't want people to experience what I experience yep. with my property. Like yep. dropping 100 grand in value yeah. and rent's going down by 100 bucks a week. Yep. That's... That's something that we, the three of us, share that our clients don't have to, is we share that pit in our stomach. We've made that mistake, so our clients don't have to make that mistake. Yeah, and for that to be the first investment property for me, like that's just set me back so far. Yeah. So if I see someone come along, I'm like, I'm not, I don't want this to happen to you. So yeah, let's do everything we can to not. Yeah. yeah. What are you looking forward to over the next 10 years? Because you are not going <laughs> any, by your own admission, you're never leaving and Dug I'm not in. letting you leave. Correct. <laughs> Dug in like an Alabama tick. Approved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or just the, the continuing changes. Like mm. we're at a, an interesting point in the in the property cycle. Yeah, and you know we we're just in the in the room before watching the a market update, um, seeing how things have come from you know all nice and easy and rosy and, and everything to you know the the lending environment has changed so much, which just has such an impact on the rest of of the industry mm. as well. It's Again, more challenges. Yeah. yeah, but that's what I enjoy. It's one thing that I know that you're enjoying, Luke and Damien. You've seen for a few years now. It's not a boring role. Not at it's all. It's dynamic. Oh, it does change. <laughs> yeah. Every single client interaction is very unique and very special in its own yeah. amazing way. Yep. And uh, do you feel like you are you on a bit of a high? Like when you when you jump off a call and you're doing a property presentation or the research or the process of risk or someone's just got their finance approved, like another one came in overnight. Like, do you yep. feel that high on behalf of the client as well? I do. And as soon as you speak to them, and they, you can just see, you know, you can hear in their voice that their smile. Like yeah. they're just. We know that, or I know that, I'm making such a big difference in their life yep. that they'll be able to look back, you know, years down the track and like, thank God I, you know, reached out. To to Axon as a whole and got the advice and and got the right sort of property, not just one that, hey, we wanted to sell a property somewhere just for the sake of selling a property. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. mate. Yeah. When, you take it, when you take a look at like that, mate, you can't, can't go wrong. Yeah. No, that's it. Um, and I know you're being a great leader and a great mentor and a great sort of source of inspiration now to your, your growing family. So, you know, I know that they're very proud of you as a dad and as a, as a you know, an Axon sort of team member as well, mate. So yeah. we're stoked that you're here, dude. You are my rock. You're my person I come to. Um, I know you and I have got each other's back to, you know, the end, end of time, mate. So exactly. thanks very much for being here, Lukey. Good, good, another good episode. Always Ladies and gents, that t- uh, brings us to another close of an episode of Axons Unleashed. Damien, Damo, Gregson, what a bloody great man you are. What a, you know, you are the pillar of strength and the things you've done in your career and what you've now been able to transition into an initial soft landing 
But now you're just on a fucking bed of pillows and you're never leaving. Yep. Can't wait to be here, have a year for another 10 years. Me too. But before we go, there was one thing that I promised Brielle, my, my oldest daughter. Good. She's like, when I told her that, hey, I'm going to be on a podcast, she's like, oh, that's pretty cool. She goes, but I, I want to hear a dad joke. <laughs> oh, <laughs> of you, course. You, I love your dad jokes. <laughs> Mate, no. you should have told us at the start. We could have had a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'd be in trouble if I didn't, didn't drop at least one. Please. So what's the least spoken language in the world? Send it. Sign language. <laughs> Ladies, Thanks, you. Good night. Thanks very much for being here, mate. Have a great day. Good on you, mate. See you all next time.